the first dog I ever loved was Sadie. And Sadie was a chocolate brown standard poodle. And we had her through living in Coventry and then living in Leeds until I was about 14 years old when she died. And uh, sadly, my dad had to take her to the vest for her final day and he couldn't do it. And he went three times before he actually got her out of the car because she was... She was like an extra child in the family. She was a much-loved family pet and will always be remembered very fondly. Well, today's guest has gone all in when it comes to our furry friends. Because Gabby Logan, for the purposes of this podcast, has got two dogs. But there are also ponies and horses in the family as well. Any other animals? We've had plenty. We've had rabbits. We've had <laughs> guinea pigs. We've had hamsters. In fact, there is a hamster still at large in this house, um, sadly escaped from its, its home and we've never found three years later. <laughs> so you never know. Today could be the day. Spot your dog might find the hamster. Uh, we've had uh, tortoises. Um, so yeah, we've gone through all the small animals and I've said now no more small animals because my kids are 15 and I think it's very much a, a young kind of child thing, isn't it? All the small animals. We've got enough going on with the big dogs and the big ponies. And the big dogs and the big ponies, how much is that your husband Kenny's influence as a, um, as a farmer when he was younger? Well, the dogs is both of us. You know, our first dog we got together in Scotland uh, when he was playing at Glasgow before we had children. And um, our ponies, um, my, my daughter is really into riding, but he's really into riding as well. He's really into horses and he's really into... Kenny, if it was up to Kenny, there'd be five Highland cows out there in the garden as well. <laughs> so he he loves, even though he kind of does this fake moan about the ponies or oh, they're so expensive and the vets bills are expensive he he absolutely loves going to the shows and he loves he loves taking her to you know to the yard and he loves he even loves kind of you know the general kind of looking after them at home so yeah I think it's a team it's a team thing but the dogs there's no way that anybody in this family would ever kind of vote to not have a dog everybody's really into the dogs you've got Milo the boxer and Maggie the labradoodle how do they actually get on with the horses. Oh, um, um, in interestingly, we've got a Shetland here who's a companion um, pony for the foal because we've got a foal who's a yearling. And um, the Shetland's hilarious because he winds Milo up. So he's decided, he has this game where Milo walks into the paddock. He chases him as if he's going to do something to him. And Milo absolutely bricks it and runs in the opposite direction. <laughs> Whereas Maggie just kind of saunters around him. So the, the Shetland's got the kind of measure of Milo. But Milo and Maggie <laughs> think the, dogs are, uh, the horses are great. And they've been taken to shows a lot over the years. So they're not scared of horses horses um but they're quite they're quite interesting together because i think dogs don't ever really know their own size do they you know and then when they when you put a, a big foal next to them suddenly they they do look a bit confused because the foal's <laughs> obviously a baby as well but um yeah it's very sweet when you see them all together interacting actually do you ride? No, although I keep saying um, to Kenny that I'm going to secretly have lessons and surprise Lois one day. And kind of, <laughs> and she did when we were in lockdown. We had her her last pony that we just sold came home, and so that she could hack every day. And um, she did give me a lesson actually on what is kind of Ruben's rugby pitch. There's some rugby posts over there, and um, we went round and she kind of gave me a few lessons. And um, and I felt quite confident actually at the end of it because she was quite good, but um, she was probably being very kind to me and just doing very basic but didn't things. you once tell a tv executive that you could ride to yes. try and get a job <laughs> <laughs> well 
Sonia, I thought, how hard could it be? And um, <laughs> I was in I was in the offices of Tyne Tees and there was a show that was like a nightly version of, it was like the one show, but on about one hundredth of the budget. And <laughs> I wasn't the host. I was working in local radio. I was only 22, 23, just graduated. And I had a job of taking people out to dinner and interviewing them for the show. It was a strand called Gabbing with Gabby, which was rather <laughs> embarrassing. And I then presented with, with a medal after the meal to prove that they'd gabbed with me, including Anton Deck, who um, Ant still swears he had his medal. And... Um, <laughs> Because the connection was you had to be from the northeast, or you had to live in the northeast. Got you, okay. Eventually, it became people who drove through the northeast because we ran out of guests. <laughs> and um, I was in the office one day prepping an interview, and they said, um, "Oh, we need somebody who can ride." And so I just shot my hand up without even knowing what the next part of the sentence was going to be. And the next part of the sentence was to joust with the world jousting champion. So it wasn't just ride. You're actually going to have to do something incredible. It's like, so then I slowly lowered my hand down when it was too late. And they said, oh, brilliant. It's Friday. Now, this was Tuesday. And I rang up some stables near where I lived and said, help me. And, you know, what? Can, so I did three days of intense lessons. And, and when I got there, this thing was 18 hands. Oh it was huge. And I, I got on it eventually and just wouldn't move. It didn't you. Horses are clever, aren't they? <laughs> when you put an clever. idiot on their back, they go, you're going to die if I do what I normally do. So I'm going to leave you there. So in the end, the producer said, oh, just walk, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fair to say I spoilt his idea of what the piece was going to look like. But um <laughs> I love that story. So as I said, you've got Milo the Boxer and Maggie the Labradoodle. So which one of the two joined the Logan clan first? Okay, so um, Milo arrived and we moved here um, about seven years ago. And just if you look out that window there, just beyond that bush is um, a small olive tree where our previous dog, Sydney, was buried. And sadly, Sydney didn't make it here. Um, She died just before we arrived. And so we said, you know what, this place was still like a building site. We'll just have a bit of time without a dog, maybe a year or two just to kind of get used to you know living here and within about a month Lois and I had gone for a, a coffee in a local cafe and um, she probably wasn't drinking coffee because she was seven but um, <laughs> she's quite precocious and um, and the lady next to us had this adorable ball of black fluff that just couldn't stop kind of like saying hello to us and I said oh my god your dog's so gorgeous what is it and it was a cockapoo I think and she said oh I, I got her from pre-loved and I didn't know what this was and sounded like you know a website where dogs were kind of give, given away because they weren't, weren't loved anymore. But it's actually a bit slightly more sophisticated than that. And um, as soon as we got home, Lois was on pre-loved going through this website. Of course website. she was. Yeah. And uh, I was like, no, no, no. And then she found this boxer called Milo. And he lived about half a mile from our previous house, which was in Richmond-upon-Thames. Which, first of all, you know, you kind of go, oh, it's fate. We must have walked past him on the river. We must, we must have known him. They probably sniffed each other, you know. And, um, and their, the family was, were going to live in Spain and they didn't think it would be fair for Milo because he didn't like the heat and, you know, various other reasons they didn't want to take him. And so we went within about a week we went to see him and a week later he was living here so that lasted a long time didn't it that break <laughs> that break from a dog um, so we've always been big boxer fans and he's so handsome and he was just so lovely and he's you know he was really easy and he was kind of just up for it you know he kind of was ready to have a bit of a um, bit of country living <laughs> so he came and uh, and then Maggie um her mum lives on the road so oh, okay. yeah, so we loved her mum, and the owner said to us, "Kate, she's really lovely." She said, "Well, she's going to have one more litter. She's had one, and she's going to have another one. I'll let you know." And very soon afterwards, she had a litter, and so we met her when she was three days old. We we kind of we were the first people to go see the litter, oh, and that's nice. so she sees her mum on a walk and things in the mornings, and um, which is really quite sweet, you know. <laughs> it kind is. Of, um, so yeah, they um, 
and it's nice to know that her other siblings are all around the area. They went for a big um, meet at Great Windsor Park where both her litters came for um, for a kind of huge day out. So there were about <laughs> Family 14 gathering. of them. Yeah. And Lois went and I, I couldn't go. I was working and Lois said, Mum, Maggie's the only one that didn't doodle <laughs> because she looks more like a Labrador. She looks she? very like yeah. a Labrador. I didn't realise she had doodle in her at all. No, no. So, but the others do. They've all got these massive shaggy coats, which Isn't is what I wanted. I wanted a big shaggy dog. Kenny, I don't think, secretly did. So he's quite happy that um, that she didn't doodle. Well, when I arrived, met Milo. And I just thought if Milo was a rugby player, he would definitely play in the front row. Yeah. He's quite a solid dog. And Spot and Milo, <laughs> as I said to you when I got out of the car, is it okay if Spot comes in? And you very kind, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'm thinking, well, Spot's pretty good with other dogs. Hmm. That were, yeah, they were, didn't really quite go to plan, did no, it? There was a little, I think Spot got a little bit of, um, well, you called it Napoleon complex. Yeah, Napoleon um, yeah, syndrome. He just, because Milo's not really bothered about, you know, kind of generally about other dogs. We have a lot of friends with small dogs come and stay for the night and he doesn't really care. But um, yeah, I think I think he's Spot's a lot younger as well. How old Spot? It's four. Yeah, and um, I think, you know, the enthusiasm. Sometimes older people get annoyed by young people's enthusiasm, yes. don't they? <laughs> well, we suddenly had a sort of dog war, didn't we? Yeah. And I was nothing like introducing yourself to friends when you arrive. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Oh, my God. And yeah. Well, they've we, been all right since, I Yeah, think. they've been all right. There yeah. was, but they were teeth barred and a little bit of blood drawn. And yeah, we just said to... that was on my dog. <laughs> yeah, it was your dog. Sorry, Milo. But, um... Yeah, don't, don't be painting out Milo as the blood drawn. No, but Milo's no, got no, no, no teeth. No. I have this is what I always laugh at when delivery men come because Milo's got a really imagine his bark is really deep you know and these delivery men because sometimes look really scared when they see him because boxers <laughs> do look a lot scarier than they are and um, they're soft mouth though they've got no teeth you know their teeth are practically like you know they're all kind of worn away and um, they go is he okay and Kenny always goes he is today he's been fed <laughs> and I'm always like he's so soft but um, yeah he's got a bit of a bark and I think you felt that didn't you Spot is now by the way kind of cradled on my lap yeah um, I know it's so embarrassing on the sofa it, it, which you know if my dogs could see him they'd be so jealous that he's sat on the sofa so embarrassing because you've got a beautiful home and I just said Spot you're not sitting on the sofa here because it's just it's spotless it's lovely and he looked spotless, at you and, went, no. and he, yeah. I, he went no I quite like her I like Gabby I'm just going to jump and sit on her lap so that's kind of where he has oh no now he's, now he's looking at you going don't worry I still love you mum it's okay you're pathetic Spot <laughs> totally pathetic Milo and Maggie seem very very comfortable with each other and given we had dog wars a little earlier with spot kind of coming in and going oh what's all this about have they always were they always oh, like that so sweet we've got such adorable pictures of when maggie was a puppy kind of cradled into him like you know with his with his body around her as if he's you know just hugging her at night he'd come down in the morning and they'd be sleeping almost in a, like a spooning kind of position and in the morning she does this disgusting thing which reminds me of monkeys have you ever been in the like in the wild when you see monkeys cleaning each other yeah. you know when they pick the you know all the flies out because they love each other and maggie goes up and licks his eyes because he gets a bit of like oh. um eye gunge and she licks his eyes for him in the morning which must be love you can't do that to somebody you don't like can you i mean i don't think my husband would do that to me and um and, and so they've got a That's really a glimpse into the loading life that i wasn't expecting <laughs> they're very um uh you don't realize how much they miss each other when they're away as well because milo's nearly nine and he's had two major hip operations which sadly is a thing with boxers and so he can't do good running anymore he can do a nice walk if you take a nice pace he'll do a good hour but he won't run and he certainly won't do a run up a hill and so <laughs> but maggie can run and run so sometimes in the morning i come down and 
And I pretend to Milo that I'm about to make his breakfast. And then I sprint out the door with Maggie and go the other <laughs> way. because, And he'll get a walk later, but I go for a run with her. And Lois said to me, oh, mum, when you went out the other day, Milo was making a really kind of, you know, um, sad, sad. I was like, oh, oh where have they gone again? They've left me. And so it's really, it's really hard because you know that they actually don't like being separated. But sometimes you've got to take one of them to the vets or something and not yeah. the other one. And they do miss each other. So we're really... Knowing that boxers don't live very, very long lives, um, you know, and he's nine already, we're kind of thinking, what's the best thing to do for for Maggie? Is it, you know, that we get another dog kind of anticipating that he won't be here? Or do we... Well, it's interesting you said that, actually, because I chatting to Andrew Cotter about that and with the love, the phenomenon that now yeah. is Oliver Mabel. The brand that is Oliver Mabel. <laughs> the brand that is Oliver Mabel. And, and he was, you know, Olive came first. She's, she's the older dog and then lovely Mabel came along. But he literally got Mabel. He clearly adores Mabel. But he got Mabel because he didn't want to be without a dog yeah. if anything should happen to, to Olive. Olive. Yeah. And so he kind of already got his dog planning. He's got you his know. replacement. For yeah, he's got his heir and a spare, you know, yeah. because it was kind well, of that now, important to him. He, he adores dogs so much. He was like, I do not want to be in a situation where I don't where, have one. Where I don't either have one or I loved having two dogs. Yeah. Well, like, I now can't imagine not having two um, two dogs, you know, and we were te- we were contemplating a third. Were you? Wow. Yeah, because Ruben really wanted his own dog. He said, I feel like I want to have, the, you know, that relationship from the start and it'd be my dog. And so we, I was, and he's, I think he was trying to test me because he said, Lois has all these ponies and she has all this yeah. animal relation. And I don't have that one, although I find him all the time lying in Milo's basket with him, you know, so he has a really close bond with Milo because he's the biggest dog and Ruben's six foot five. So he kind of has this thing about big dogs. So he wants, Ruben close, is six close foot your ears, five. close your ears, like what he's thinking of getting he, <laughs> he's, he's thinking of getting a, a well he said to me he wanted a great dane i talked to him out of a great dane because i said they're not very athletic that's um, true and then he decided um a dog de bordeaux and then he was an english master sorry a dog de bordeaux because he was looking at the heaviest, it sounds like a village in france well that's what it looks like a village in france it looks like it's <laughs> it looks like it's eaten a village in france and um, and basically they weigh about 75 kilos so uh, he was looking for these really heavy dogs i got him right down in the end to an alsatian I got kind of okay. Brought, I brought the breeds down and down and down. I said, "What about an Alsatian?" Anyway, I then decided that um, he was just not responsible enough. <laughs> and actually, the next dog we have should be a family decision, not just being driven by one teenage boy. When I was chatting to, to Charlotte Hawkins, it, it became very apparent that that she has a strict hierarchy in her house, and so you know that the, the humans in the house are the Lord that they they're in charge basically, and. The dogs know their place and, you know, they don't go upstairs, they don't go on the beds. And she could see the sort of look of horror on my face, sort of, where I was like, she looked at me and she went, Spot's loud on your bed, isn't he? And I was like, "Mm, well, do you know what? Yeah, he is. And I'm thinking, well, I'll ask Gabby the same question. They they don't go upstairs. But I'm thinking, hang on a minute, there's no way Milo could could sleep on your bed. But what the kids do now, they think it's really funny and they don't tell us. They, um... We go to, I always check on them before, you know, even at 15, go and kiss them goodnight, make sure that they, you know, that they're in bed. Um, although generally they're going to sleep after us these days, yeah, you know, because we're old people. And, um, and they've got kind of wardrobes that are like mini walk-in wardrobes. And a couple of times this summer, they put the dogs inside the wardrobes and we've walked out and then the dogs have slept on their beds. Um, and then in the morning they delight in telling us how, you know. Clever how, tactics. Yeah, yeah. But I get it, you've ruined it now because you've told me where you hide them. <laughs> and, uh, so they, and they've done it more than once. I know they have where they've, ke- they've kept the dogs upstairs. So I kind of, you know, let them just pretend that I'm, I'm very cross. Um, don't do it again, yes. but knowing full well they will. But, um, but funny, even though Kenny has grown up with animals all over the shop because a farmer and dogs, dogs have different roles on farms, don't they? 
so they'd have dogs that never go in the house because their dog their job is to either catch other animals or to you know to be guard dogs for the farmyard and you know guard equipment and things and then they have dogs that do go in the house you know so it's like this kind of weird even different kind of hierarchy yeah. you know but even with all of that and dogs all over the shop and, and you know him growing up he's he's quite you know dogs are out the bedroom kind of thing he's he's yeah he would be if i suddenly turn around and say well this dog's allowed to be on the bed i think mm. he'd think i've gone mad so. yeah there, there is, you are it, there's only there's two camps that, and you're either in that camp yeah. where they have to What's be downstairs um Definitely sleep downstairs and then he does say we have the odd lion in the morning and the dogs come upstairs and you know he was yeah. talking about Mabel in particular is kind of spark out on the bed yeah. and she does what's called he said he described, it's very funny he described it as the pillow creep so one minute Mabel's at the foot of the bed next minute he sort of turns over and there she is with her head on the pillow yeah. kind yeah. of looking yeah. more human than a well, Labrador Sydney, I remember when we lived in Glasgow in Sydney the boxer um, I remember her I remember falling, I was pregnant at the time and I remember her falling asleep with me on the bed because I was always napping because I was pregnant so I was always like you know I'll sit down for two minutes and take my shoes off an hour later I'd just <laughs> <laughs> and she was always on the bed with me but I don't think I told Kenny I think he was at training <laughs> yeah so I mean I wanted to talk a little bit about Sydney actually because you've you've got Milo and Maggie now but you know you've, all, you've had dogs now as, as a family so what was it like when you have to face that awful reality of losing a dog because I've not had to experience mm, that and I, I look at Spot he's only four and oh I've, you know I've got Spot forever and there's even just in that odd moment, I go, oh, what would it be like if he wasn't there? Mm. And you've, you've experienced that. So, you know, as a family, how do you deal with something like that? Well, it was interesting because it was as a family as well. It wasn't because um, the kids were of such an age that they were, they were just eight that summer, I think. And I think maybe it was the cusp of their birthday around that time when, she, when we actually said goodbye to her. So they'd grown up with her their whole lives. You know, we brought our twins back from the hospital and brought Sydney out of the house to meet them on the drive, you know, because that's what we were told you do with dogs. You don't, let, you don't impose the babies into them. You let them come out and sniff the babies. So that's from that very first meeting, you know, she was in love and enraptured by them. You know, she used to sleep under their Moses basket in the kitchen. She was on fireworks on bonfire night. She was never bothered by fireworks. And their first bonfire night, we'd gone out for dinner. And when I came back, my auntie was babysitting and she said, oh, she went upstairs and lay outside their nursery. So I hope that's all right. And I was just like, because she was never upstairs. And um, so she she was just, she just loved them to bits and they loved her. So they obviously, being kids, they never think about anybody not being there for them, you know, and that included their family dog. So when she got ill, which was really, it was a really quick demise, she went from being perfectly healthy to not very well at all within a few months. And we knew we couldn't keep her alive. It was just not fair what was happening to her. You know, she was, she had stomach cancer and she was bleeding all the time. And, you know, the doctor said, there's nothing more we could, the vet, sorry, said, there's nothing more we can do. And we had to make that decision. And Sonia, honestly, it was, it wasn't just us. It was like everybody who knew her where we lived in Richmond, but like Kenny's old PA drove across London to say goodbye to her. And people were coming in like it was her last day. They knew she was going that night or that afternoon. And, um, and then we, the four of us took her to the vets and the vets were amazing. And they said, it's up to you, but sometimes, you know, for children, it's a very interesting kind of um, experience for them to actually remember and go through because they don't experience death and uh, and you don't want them to experience the death of a grandma or anybody close so we all sat on the floor and um when they injected her she very quickly fell asleep and we just all hugged her and told her how much we loved her and um so you'd obviously decided to go and be in the room because i'm yeah. not sure i could be i'm just not sure i could be well, in the room we discussed, was... the kids were really what really wanted her to, 
they wanted to be sure she wasn't in pain. I said, they, Lois was very much like, well, she, are they going to hurt her? Because to them, you imagine for a child, the idea of death is pain and suffering. Mm. And I said, well, this is the opposite. We're going to do this to make sure she's not in pain anymore. And so I think for them, it was peace of mind that what we were saying was right. She, ne- you know, and actually she just looked so peaceful. And then we wrapped her up and put her in the car and drove straight here from Richmond's about an hour away. And so in the car from the vets to here, because we knew we wanted to bury her here and we weren't living here just yet. Um, Lois, I said to somebody the other day, we were just talking about it, and I said, she was like, she wailed like a professional wet. She just talked constantly to the sky as if she was talking to Sydney, just about how much she loved her and what she thought of her and how she'd never forget her. And, and she still got a blanket from her basket that she, she keeps in her wardrobe that sometimes I go in and it's on her bed, you know, and she's, so in that, that relationship that she'll, they'll never forget her, you know, because now it's, it's seven years. So, and and it's, the memories are as, you know, as strong as they ever were. And the love is as strong as it ever, you know, and even though they adore these dogs, they, that bond, they'll never forget. And so I was kind of, I I mean, we were, Kenny and I were devastated because this was our puppy that we'd had before our children, you know, and it was really your fur baby, wasn't it? And then to add to that, seeing our children so upset as well, you know, so it was, um, yeah, it was a, it was a really tough one to, for us all to kind of, um, process in different ways. Because very sadly, you lost your brother when you were 15. And so as a young woman, you experienced what grief is. And yet this was, you know, people sometimes I think dismiss when you say my dog died, you go, oh, that's a shame. And then, you know, they, mm. in the next heartbeat, they've moved the conversation on somewhere else. And yet it's an incredibly powerful thing that that was there for teaching your children about yeah. grief, you know, and, and, and having to experience that for the first time. I imagine it was very, yeah, very hard. I, it, when you, Sadie, our first family dog, or the first family dog that I remember died and I was a teenager, it was really sad, but I don't, it wasn't kind of, I think because my mum was never a dog person. She kind of suffered them for, you know, she was like, the, the kids like dogs, so we'll have dogs. And so she, it wasn't the collective of the family kind of, you know, in that moment. Whereas with Lois has always been a real animal person, you know, and so she, she just doesn't treat, they're just, they're no different to humans. Do you know what I mean? That in her head, it's like, why would you treat them any different? I don't, you know, so, so for, for the kids to go through that without, as I say, you know, you never want to go through what we had to go through in losing my brother and my no, parents. I'm not trying to compare. No, well, I mean, it's, what, you, you, know, you don't want that to experience. Your brother to, to, to a dog, no, that's not what I'm doing, but it's just happen. an interesting dynamic yeah, to, a young, to, you know, to a young to person. Experience it. And then even the conversations that would come out afterwards, in some way in their brains, then they would say, okay, because remember her saying to my mum a, a while afterwards, about she said to my mum losing your son must have been like the because she she put her, the relationship with my mum had with my brother her uncle into a different context do you know what I mean and yeah. she saw it as then so I think um while they appreciated it wasn't the same they could they you know they learnt about loss and um but it is you know for us I mean Kenny had also had a big um loss in his life his his cousin who was like a brother to him died when he was 19 when kenny was 19 and you know so we'd experienced loss as adults ourselves but your family pet your dog is you know it's entwined in all these memories that you've created together as a family and you've seen your children learn so much from the dog and you know it was it was just so um heartbreaking to see them so heartbroken (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's all those stories, isn't it, that will always be there, you know, the, the thread that is woven through your family dynamic. And yeah. I mean, my sister's had dogs for 20 years. We weren't a dog family growing up, but my sister has had dogs for, for years and years and years. And actually, 
my sister has got Spot's direct brother in, in Herbie. And so I was very influenced by her to get yeah. a Parsons Terrier. That's why I chose that particular breed. And I have so many fond memories of all her various dogs and yeah, having spent yeah. time with them as a, as a family and all this, the escapades they got up to. And I remember there was one, there was his father actually, Patch, got stuck in a hay barn and we couldn't, we just, we, we, we obviously knew eventually where he'd ended up. We couldn't find him for hours and hours and hours. And there he was in a, in a hay barn, upside down, stuck fast in this, <laughs> against these bales of hay. And, you know, he was in all sorts of bother and we thought we were going to lose him. Yeah, and yeah. actually he, he lived to fight another day. I just, it's all those memories, isn't it? That yeah, comes with, with that, the um, dogs and yeah. the various escapades they get up to. And how you, as a, you know, like remember Kenny being away one weekend and Maggie used to go for runs on her own so she'd find a little way out and we'd you know regularly get a call from a neighbour saying so we now really fence things and actually she's um she's grown up now so she doesn't bother going out on her own but back then we were we realized she'd gone and i got the kids in the car because they were too young to leave at home and we were driving around the countryside just screaming her name out the car and i was genuinely thinking this is it now this is because you know, it was two and a half hours we got back into the drive and we were all exhausted emotionally the kids were kind of crying and thinking that was because i think might have been Ruben who'd left a gate open. So, of course, Lois was blaming him and it was all... Then this car pulls up, um, the Wickham dog catcher, which sounds like something out of Scooby-Doo, <laughs> and charged me 90 quid for the pleasure of handing my dog No, back. it's Hansel and Gretel, isn't yes, it? Yes, it, it is. It is, it is it's, Hansel and Gretel, it's the yeah. scary dog. It's the apparently, scary rat catcher. There's a road about half a mile from here um, that apparently Maggie had just wandered into somebody's very nice house and spent the afternoon watching live football with them <laughs> and, um, and had a nice time in front of the fire. It was a winter's afternoon. They'd given her some snacks. So then eventually they called the Wickham dog catcher. So she, she's had two hours. She looked like, oh, I've had a, let me tell you all about my afternoon. As I I've begrudgingly gave 90 quid to the Wickham dog catcher. Yeah. The Wickham so. dog catcher does sound rather scary. Well, he opened up the back of his van and there were about nine crates. So he could fit up to nine dogs in the back of this van if he wanted to. But that afternoon he'd only managed to find mine. So she's chipped, obviously. So, so what, um, do, you, do you ring up the Wickham dog catcher no. and go, my dog's missing. Can you help? Or yeah, well, how, how does he? He'd called, so he'd called the number. He'd got the chip, called the number on the chip, which was Kenny. Kenny couldn't get hold of me because we were driving around the country. There's no signal, so he told Kenny. Kenny had told him where we lived, <laughs> so he just turned up, and I was going, "How did you know to come here?" <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, it was. Uh, but that, but even like you mentioned on the people's dogs, like this this road. I was thinking about this the other day. Nearly everybody on this side of the road has a dog. And most of the other side. So I know everybody's dogs so well. Like Oscar, the, um, who lives over there, the Jack Russell, he, he regularly comes in. In fact, he christened one of our very expensive new carpets when we moved in. He <laughs> ran around the house and just decided to pee in the middle of the carpet when there's no <laughs> furniture in here. I've forgiven him. And, um, and Oscar's kind of like, he's regularly at the back door, just wanting a chat. And sometimes he'll wander in the, and then there's another dog, Freo, who also seems to self walk up and down the road and parades up and down. So it's quite, um, it's quite lovely having that kind of community yeah. of dogs. And there's Frank is my favourite, my friend's dog over the road. It's a long haired Vizsla and he's just completely, he's named after Frank Lampard because the dad's a big Chelsea fan and he's just hilarious. And, you know, they're all, they've all got such wonderful but completely different personalities. Like Milo's obviously the grumpy boss guy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, <laughs> As spotters discovered. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, I don't do much small talk. In fact, yeah. if Milo was a human, he would literally be the guy in the bar just nursing his pint all evening going, Oh, I don't do small talk, no. <laughs> Whereas Maggie, I love that story you were telling Paddy, the producer and I, about, about Maggie, who perpetually wags her tail, except on the one <laughs> yeah. day so in our, that your daughter Lois needed her to, to just wag a bit. her tail. 
her tail honestly is it's the to the point where i think she might actually put herself into a spasm it can get so excitable and tail goes constantly so when the poster went up for the waggiest dog competition at the um the waggiest tail dog at the local village fair lois thought she was in for a shooing you know it was there was there was absolutely no way that this was not going to be a victory for the logan household so she takes her along and maggie literally it was almost as if it went numb it didn't just stop wagging it went underneath and wrapped itself kind of inside her and um for the lady said um, does she do agility Can we? <laughs> no this is what she does she wags her tail honestly yeah, I know, she wags so her tail she was de- desperately disappointed i kind of like maggie's do you know what i'm going to show you i am not a performing i'm not a seal i'm a i'm a dog yeah. <laughs> i don't do shows yeah i'm, I'm, I'm staging a sit-in yeah and I, I was like gosh they seem to enjoy crafts but when they put them in the limelight they didn't <laughs> they didn't want to do it spots being a floozy again and is back on your lap and your sofa i'm yeah, really I'm really not, embarrassed um, to say i mean gabby you're one of the most energetic women i know uh, you've got this hugely successful career you've got this family that you know you keep you're looking after you, you've got you know you're very passionate about fitness and and all of that that you do so do you relish the ability to just go into the countryside around here and go on a dog walk and enjoy that solitude and the bird song that we can hear out here now. Yeah, I um, I didn't um, settle immediately out here when we first left London. Um, and we lived in Kew, so it wasn't as if we lived like, you know, in the middle of Hackney or, you know, we kind of lived near great parks and all of that. Um, but I, I, when I first came out here, I just... I didn't quite know how to behave, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and um, and also, you, it takes you a while to find your tribe, doesn't it? Mm. And you need kind of, you, even though you're still in contact with your old friends, and we all live these lives that are very, um, well, they were very international. Yes. <laughs> and, then, and we travel a lot with our jobs. And we think it's okay that our friends live hours away. Actually, it's nice to have people around you that you enjoy the company of. And so it took me a while to kind of find that and, and also to go for a walk in a different way. I know that sounds stupid, but when you're, you know, when you're in a city and you go for a walk with a dog, like I'd take Sydney down to the local park and she'd have a bit of exercise and we'd wander the streets and I might stop at a cafe and I might meet something. It's different to just setting out and walking for an hour and sometimes changing your mind in the middle of the walk because you decide to go right and you're going to go that yeah. way. And, you know, and the dog's finding, and that when the dogs find something interesting, they want to sniff for a while or they do something. So it took me a while to get into that rhythm, but I do, I do absolutely love it. And I love, um, I love them taking me places, you know, and kind of, in fact, the other day I was walking with Kenny and he said something which I thought, oh, I do that. And he said, I'll let you take, he said to Maggie, I'll let you take me today. Cause sometimes they turn right before you're ready to, or they turn, yeah. you know, and you go, no, this way. Um, so, um, and they just kind of led him. He was out for him a lot longer than um, than he thought he was going to be out. And, um, and his other dogs took me on a longer walk, and um, which I quite like that. You can just, you know, you can do it, can't you? Out I mean, here? You can do. It. I've only got one dog who's, you know, despite being small, there's clearly can have his moments. But it's, you've got a bit of a handful with two. So do you have to have eyes in the back of your head when you're out for a walk? Um, or are, they, are they pretty good? Yeah, they're pretty good. Um, Maggie's the one that's more likely to hear, you know, a muntjac, which are these kind of um, small deer animals that we get around here. She's more likely to hear one of those and kind of sprint into the bush or she'll hear a squirrel or something. Whereas Milo, <laughs> Milo does this thing where he kind of looks at me as if to say, I guess I've got to behave like a dog now, haven't I? And then he kind of, <laughs> oh, I'll go pretend I want to chase it as well. He knows he's never going to get to whatever that thing is first. So he kind of like does this, oh, okay, all right. He's, he's happy to pad alongside me but sadly now he's a bit too old to go for a run so um 
Maggie and I sneak off. We do little sneaks where we pretend I'm pretend I'm going one way in the kitchen and then I sprint the other way <laughs> and grab a lead because even though she'll run alongside me, I always have a lead just in case, mm. you know, because um, even in the country, you never know, do you, what, you know, when you're going to need to put your dog on the lead. So it's one of my greatest regrets, actually, having really wonky knees and not being able to run anymore because Spot loves going for oh, a run. Really? And my, nie- my sister and my niece, when they're around they're good runners and they take spot with them and he comes back and I was like, how was he? Was he okay? Like, he's like, you know, had to stop or it was out of breath yeah, or something. He's fine. She's like, no, absolutely fine. Yeah, he yeah. just kept going. Yeah. He loved it. I'm thinking, wow, this is a whole different dimension to my dog. Yeah. But I know he can do it. I don't get to see yeah. because I can't run anymore. Um, and so that's one of my greatest regrets. Yeah, that it's I can't really just go for At the a beginning, run. Maggie, always goes off ahead of me and then comes back and then, you know, she does this kind of like fartlek, you know, she's constantly, <laughs> and then by the end of it, she's usually like either alongside me or just behind me actually because she does kind of towards the end start to tire which I feel slightly more um you know nowadays I feel a bit happier about that (laughs) actually I can still tire her out and she's not um you know she's not completely although sometimes she comes back from a run with me and then goes out on a walk straight afterwards with Milo so she's you know she's definitely a dog that because I remember Andrew Cotter saying to me actually when we were getting her because because I had always had boxes and he likes boxes family had boxes he said he said what you'll find though with um with your labradoodle is that she will run and run and um so i was like okay that's good because poodles also run really well so i didn't know that about yeah, poodles yeah. i just assumed poodles that they are kind super of... dog i would have a standard poodle again in a heartbeat they're would really you? they're really intelligent dogs much more intelligent than labradors um so that's you know the kind of the brains of the bunch i think is in the labradoodle comes from the, the doodle bit and but they're also real athletes because i was always po- poodles you know standard poodles that they're kind of you know walking no, around paris no. Looking very chic well, that's and the ones that out. get cut. Well, as we we used to have what they call lamb cut, which is where they just let the fur grow and then oh. you just trim it for health purposes so that they don't get it in their eyes. So she was just our our poodle was just shaggy, like a brown shaggy dog that you kind of looked more like. Remember those Portuguese water dogs that Obama used to have? Remember those black yes, dogs? Yes, yes, I do. So it looked yes. a bit more like that, and um, and so she was. And in summertime, you do cut them because they get really hot. So you would trim them for their own health benefits. Mm. But um, but no, they're great. But Kenny will not be talked into a poodle because he yeah, like he was got Kenny this, and a poodle. I can't see it. <laughs> he's got this perception of poodle, which is something pink in a cartoon. That's you know, <laughs> parade. And I'm going no, no. So I might just secretly buy a poodle. <laughs> and we, we we travel a lot, the pair of us, with work. We certainly we did anyway and we can be away for long long Mm. periods of time and I'm sure you miss Kenny I'm sure you miss your children but do you do you miss the dogs as well because I know I mean I've I miss Spot enormously when I'm away and I've tried FaceTiming him and he's just hopeless. <laughs> he doesn't I'm going, answer. I'm saying to my mum, who's generally got it, mum, mum, just let me speak to Spot, you know, and I'm going, Spot, hi. And he's, I can hear him vaguely recognising it for a second. And then he's like, no, he's off doing no. something completely different. But I think that's a nice thing about them though. Don't you think that's good that they don't actually miss you enough to kind of... No, you know, I want him to be missing me but, terribly. But it's a bit like, <laughs> see, when I, when I first went away to, um, it was the Olympics in Beijing, it was the first time I'd gone away for a long period of time from my kids so they were three and of course I I just missed them dreadfully and you know really pained me every day and I got home and realized they'd had the best time and they didn't really <laughs> and the reason I knew that they didn't miss me was because I decided to take them to Legoland the first day I got back which is a horrible place Old and uh, yeah and you've really got to love your kids to take them there <laughs> and I'm driving down the 316 from Richmond and we pass 
Twickenham. And my son, who's three, turned around and said, oh, mommy, look where you were, the bird's nest, <laughs> I was like, which is about a mile from our house. And I thought, well, the fact that you think I'm only a mile away for three weeks, at least, you know, you, and you have no problem with that at all. Yeah. So I realised then it's a bit like dogs. You know, I think that you miss them more than they miss you. And that's even though I want my kids to miss me in a way, you kind of don't want that to be the case. Do no, you? you want course. them to be happy. So I, I stopped missing the dogs as much when I got the children because when I when I when when I was first married and with Kenny we you know we go away when we first went away and left the dog that was terrible we'd be like <laughs> ringing up going where's the dog how's the dog and of course then you start realizing that you haven't got the dog on your phone as the picture anymore you know you've got the kids and things like that but actually it is when we come back from holiday that whole reunion for everybody when the dogs get really excited that you haven't died <laughs> <laughs> they've come back they are they really are they're really, do you know back. it's really interesting though because they they do know what cases mean you know when they start oh, hearing the wheels the suitcase thing. Uh, on the on the hall floor and you can see them looking like oh they're going away and but they tend to stay here and somebody comes and looks after them here so they don't have to go oh, to kennels so yeah so they tend not to have to go anywhere else so i think yeah now that they don't go anywhere else they're all right <laughs> ahead of the rugby world cup actually i had my suitcase on the bed in the spare room and I because it was just easier to yeah. you know, put stuff in it and Spot actually immediately knew what I was up to was less than impressed and I got this photo of him sitting inside the suitcase <laughs> kind of like parked off going I'm, no I'm going. no sorry you're not going anywhere and or if you are you're taking me with you and I'm like no, sorry Spot you're no. definitely definitely not coming but I bet he was very excited when you got home wasn't he well he's excited if I've been for three minutes yeah. or if I've been for three hours yeah, yeah, you can't of, tell. It just opens. The, I open the door, and he's kind of like you know jumping up. I always and say wagging about his Maggie tail in the morning so when, happy. I, when I come down in the morning. Maggie, because I'm invariably the first up. Maggie greets me as if she's surprised I've managed to live through the night. You know, it's like kind of she goes, oh, "You're here again." When Milo kind of gives me a cursory nod, like, "Oh yeah." You're right. We yeah. would do, we play this game quite often, Lois and I, about how their voices. You know, if they were human, what would their voices sound like? And you know, um, I give my I give Maggie a kind of very kind of um, effeminate light Yorkshire accent, but um, and Lois doesn't like that. She's like, no, no, she wouldn't sound like that. Whereas Milo, I'm under Milo's voice is baritone. You know, so like, you're right. Yeah, all right. <laughs> you're right. Actually, sleep, sleep well. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I actually saw you do that on instagram there was a video uh, and you did the voiceover and you were talking as if you were milo and maggie was that when we, had, we were introducing two, them to the, the tortoises we were doing no there were no tortoises oh. involved in the making of this video but you definitely were being their alter egos in this video and it was actually it was very very funny can you put into words what those two dogs mean to you um they 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 mean unity it's like they kind of unify everything you know if they're not here it feel it does feel like something's missing and and so they complete everything i think and they are an emotional support for the children you know i find the kids really um as teenagers they spend a lot of time just lying next to them and i know that they're offloading with them you know they're just spewing up what's on their mind and maybe they're doing it verbally maybe they're just doing it kind of subconsciously and so they are they're like the they're kind of a sponge that you know they take everything in and then they unify everything in the way that they kind of give you that bond that extra bond as a, as a family they're they're just amazing creatures and can you now just see a future where you will always just be the logan family and other animals oh yeah i can't i can't <laughs> imagine like when people say i've got friends who uh, they, maybe they get a dog maybe they won't and they say things like but when we go away I mean it'd be such you know it's so, such a hassle to, when you have a dog and I just, that just doesn't even enter my mind I can't imagine 
kind of you know that being a reason not to have an animal it just yeah it's we'll just deal with it it just you know I just if you said to me well you can't really ever go on holiday again okay fine <laughs> that's what we'll have it's to what it is. yeah we'll, we'll tell you said to me when we when you came in we, I mentioned we've been to Scotland recently and um we didn't the kids would love us to travel with the dogs you know they're desperate I think Sydney once went to Glen Eagles with us um but that's as that's these two haven't and um because two dogs no matter how big your car is you can't take any more luggage no <laughs> and so and it's so a long Milo way is the weight so, of a small suitcase yeah. isn't it so um but i would yeah if, if it meant that we just always had to drive with them on holiday that would be so be it <laughs> it's fantastic to talk to you i'm really grateful it's been fun thank you 